0: The depths of woe I raise to thee, Lord. We raise to thee our voices of lamentation. Let us prepare our hearts to hear God's truth through the preaching of the word, which begins with prayer. Let us pray together. Almighty and gracious Father, the true understanding of your holy word helps us to grow into the fullness of of the salvation you so freely offer in Christ. Grant that our hearts are freed from worldly affairs, that we may hear and grasp your holy word with all diligence and faith, that we may rightly understand your gracious will, cherish it and live by it with all uh, earnestness. Praise and glory, we pray in Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. When I was younger, I used to work at a a slaughterhouse, uh, better known as a meat packing company. I, uh, you know what a meat packing company does? They they're the ones that get, to get, they will get a cow and they will butcher it, they will slaughter it, then package it, then put it on crates and then load it up onto tractor trailers and then send them out, ship them out to your local HEB for you, us to buy. That's what I used to do, and I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. That was one of the hardest jobs. That's one of the toughest jobs that I that I've ever done. And the reason it was so tough was because I had a hard time staying awake. I mean, I was a night watchman, uh, I would, so I had to stay awake at night. And it was very difficult. I fought sleep throughout the night. I remember there were times, many times, that I would just doze off, just doze off for a minute or two, be waiting waiting for the morning to come waiting for that sun to, to rise above the horizon by the way the natural sleep cycle the circadian the circadian rhythm uh, that's the natural sleep cycle of a human is to sleep when it's is to sleep when it's dark outside and be awake when there's light that's the natural human sleep cycle for a human. So we are bi- biologically predisposed to doing that. So at night, if you're working dog watch at night and you're 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 trying to stay awake, it's hard. It, it it is a struggle. It's not natural for a human. So what I would do to try to stay awake is I would walk this huge facility. It was huge. So I would walk around and go into the the, the inside of the facility where it was refrigerated. It was, it was cold, but it wasn't freezing. It was above freezing because they didn't want to freeze the meat. And so I'd walk into the section where they would slaughter the cattle. And they would slaughter the cows in half and they would put them on meat hooks, hang them up, and then they would the, the next section, they would, they would just push them over, push the carcasses over, and, and then the next ses- section would cut it up. There's different, like, different cuts of meat. They would package it up and then put them on crates and then load them up to be, to be shipped out. They had to do that in a very timely manner. I mean, with just the two or three hours, I mean, they would have it completely done because they would try to get it out fresh to the market. They would ship it off fresh. So that's what I did. I would I would stay awake to, uh, or uh, one of the things that I would do to stay awake was to go through the entire facility, looking at all this. Then I would go outside into the stockyard. The stockyard where all the livy cattle were. There were hundreds of cows out there. I'd go around with my flashlight and just shining on the cattle, just looking at them and. You could see their eyes looking right back at you. These cattle were totally oblivious to what was coming. They were totally unaware of what was going to transpire in just a few hours. In The, in the, the very next morning, they were about to be slaughtered. They're, they're, in other words, their whole life was about to be impacted. They were totally oblivious to that. Listen, I know, you know, it makes us sad. They're cattle, they're a living creature. It makes us sad to hear that. But in a very, in, in an extremely very real way, it is, it is the same for humans. Humans, human beings in general, humans in general are totally oblivious to what is coming, what is coming. Humanity, in our fallen state of being, are completely unaware of the final judgment that's on the horizon at the return of Christ. My dear friends, it is not until God opens our eyes that we can see what verse 1 is talking about, the depths of our sinfulness. Uh, that we can see the chaos that envelopes us. It is not until conversion that we can truly see the drowning deep sea of our wickedness. The wickedness that's killing us. It's a bottomless pit that we cannot escape. We cannot escape it. We have to be rescued from this pit. We cannot make it out on our own. These are the spiritual depths of the darkness where we find ourselves crying out. The psalmist is talking about that. Crying out to the Lord. Listen, we're not summoning God to come to us. It's not a summons. Crying out in sheer panic for God to come and save us. The word cry, the Hebrew word cry in our passage is one that expresses the inter- The inner pain and suffering, our inner pain and suffering, so much so that the feeling of our silent agony erupts into an audible shout. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt the agony that's in your heart, the agony that's in your soul? It's just so overwhelming. Your pain, is the the silent pain that you're suffering is so overwhelming that it just erupts into an audible shout, a cry. That's what he's talking about. He cries out. Aloud. Our pain can no longer be repressed. Our cries and pleas for the Lord to hear us, to hear our voice. These are cries. These cries are prayers. These are prayers. That's what it means to pray. These are prayers to the Almighty himself. Listen. What the passage tells us, if God was to mark our inequity, if God was to hold us accountable for our Uh, immoral behavior, we, no one, not a single one of us, could stand before him. But our Lord is a God who forgives sin. Oh, praise God. He is a God who forgives sin for that reason. And it's an interesting part of the verse. It's very interesting how it's worded. It's a God, because he forgives sin, he is greatly, he is to be, what? Feared. See, wouldn't you think it would go the opposite way? You're thinking, well, he's a loving, steadfast love. He's a loving God. He for, It is a God who forgives sin. You would think, golly, let's go. Let's run to him. And we should. But it, look at what it says. It says, he is to be Ah, that is, is, that's an interesting twist that gets our, certainly gets our attention. Why is he to be feared? Because in order to avoid eternal damnation, we must be forgiven. Verse 4 makes it clear that there is forgiveness in God, okay? It makes it clear that there is forgiveness in God. It doesn't say that there might be forgiveness in God. Or it doesn't say that, well, God sometimes forgives. It says that there is forgiveness in God. It makes it clear. There's no doubt. There is forgiveness in God. It's certainly uh, an indication that God will deal with our sinfulness. Verse 4, like we allu- just alluded to, verse 4 also talks about, uh, it, it causes us to take a closer look at the fear of God. Take a closer look at the fear of God. The psalmist says, the writer of this psalm, who we believe is King David, is saying or says that the forgiveness, the pardon, the grace, the grace that leads to, and uh, the grace that God gives us, this forgiveness, this pardon, this grace that God gives us leads us to an increase, an increase in the fear of God. Now, how do we understand this? How can we understand this? Well, to understand it, you go back to Scripture. You, you, you understand Scripture with Scripture, right? Some theologians refer us back to Job. What does God say about Job? Right? You remember the story about Job. Satan is going to and fro the earth. Satan is Satan, doing what Satan does. Well, remember what God tells Satan says to Satan about the uh, about the the most righteous man, uh, Job. He tells Satan this, he says, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on earth. He, Job, is a man who fears God and shuns evil. Hey, have you considered God is directed directing this comment at Satan? Have you considered? My servant. He fears me. And he shuns evil. That's interesting. But that's not the only place it talks about the fear of the Lord. There are other places. In Proverbs Proverbs 28, verse 14, it says, Happy is the one who fears the Lord always. Happy is the one who fears the Lord always. Start resi- how does that resonate in your soul, in your mind? Well, if you what what happens when you fear the Lord? I mean, there's a reverence there. There's a reverence to God. We have a, a holy reverence to Him. We love Him. We want to be with Him. Uh, we, we just cannot ever think of ourselves away from Him. But we realize that He has forgiven us. And it tells us that happiness is to fear him always. And, and but, but when you start thinking about it, you start thinking, well, if you fear God, you're going to be obedient to God. So you're not going to do the things that your sinful, lustful body may want to do. And so you obey him. And by doing that, what you're blessed, happiness, happy, blessed. Blessed are you who fear God. You're blessed. Psalm 19.9 says that the fear of the Lord is clean and endures forever. The fear of the Lord is clean and endures forever. Forgiveness is not diminished by the fear of the Lord. It implies that we have a relationship with God. To fear the Lord means you have this relationship with God. Just like you do, you have a relationship with Jesus. And there's a reverence there, a loving reverence. Because we're in our brokenness, we're so prone to do something we're not supposed to do. And he loves us so much that he forgives us. So we repent. We live this life of repentance. And believe, our relationship with God demands that we trust Him, and and, and we spend most of our life learning to trust Him better. We spend. I mean, it's like Abraham; he learned to trust the Lord throughout his life. He learned to trust Him. His trust, his trust in the Lord, continued to grow, and that's what happens to us during this process of sanctification. Our relationship with God demands that we trust him. And to say that we trust God means that we will what? We will wait on him. We trust that God is at work in our lives. We trust that God is at work in this church. We trust it. But what let's let's say things aren't going the way you think they should go. And we, we say it. we trust you, God. We're praying all the time. I love you. You know, I belong to you. And just things aren't turning. They're just happening the way you want them to happen. way, But you're calling it. Here it's clearly telling us that you're called to wait. To wait on the Lord means to trust Him. But what else does, does the, the word wait mean? The The word wait is an active verb, right? It's an active verb. To wait on the Lord requires action. Action. There's an action here. It's active. Actively waiting on the Lord. How do you do that? How do you actively wait on the Lord? You worship Him. You trust Him. You pray to Him. You you continue to, to send up your petitions. But you trust that He's aware. And you trust that things are happening. And you may not know about it. You may not see it. You wait on Him. You wait on His timing. It is The timing is about Him, not us. It's not on my time. It's not on your time that you want things to happen. It is on His time. And our faith in our walk with Him continues to grow. verse 6 tells us that our souls wait on God, our souls wait. It's like a watchman again, and it gives us it gives us that this image of a, of a of watchman, Watchmen waiting for the morning. they're waiting for that morning A morning like they're waiting, they're waiting, they're actively looking forth. They're waiting for the morning to come. But what are they waiting for? They're waiting for the Lord. But what are they waiting for? Are they, are they waiting for something in particular? See, they're not waiting to be saved. The passage makes it clear that they're already saved. They're already a part of the God's redeemed people. So you're a part, like us, we are a part of God's redeemed people and we're called to wait on Him. What are they waiting for? Well, they're not waiting to have their prayers answered because they trust God. What are they waiting for? They are night watchmen waiting in the darkness of this world. Tired and sleepy. They have been tested. But they're not deterred. What are they waiting for? They're waiting for God. They're waiting for God to show up. They're waiting for God. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, Years before Jesus, we know the story. They're waiting for God to come. And waiting, and waiting. And we know that God shows up. God does come. The Messiah shows up. Our Lord Jesus Christ shows up. It's like a prophecy. It's like a prophecy. Wait on God. He's coming. Wait. He's coming. God is coming. Our Lord is coming. But it's been this long time. We've suffered so much. Wait. Wait. God is coming. Coming. They're waiting on God Himself. Verse 7. It talks about that that Israel, all of Israel, hopes in the Lord. Their hope is in the Lord. Well, remember who Israel is. Israel is the is symbolic name given to Jacob. Remember Jacob, who Jacob is. Jacob was, or is, was the son of Isaac. He is the son of the promise. God makes a promise to Abraham. It goes all the way down the line. The son of the promise. The promised seed comes through the promise. When the name Israel is used in Scripture, it typically is referring to Jacob's descendants. Well, we are part of that. Paul, The Apostle Paul in the New Testament talks about how Christians are descendants of the promise. Who is the true Israel? That's what Paul asks. He says, they're the sons and daughters of the promise. He says, they are the ones who have been circumcised of the heart. Circumcision of the heart. Those who Israel is. That's the true Israel. We are called. We must put our hope in the Lord. For with the Lord, there is steadfast love. Ew! Yes, the Lord. There is steadfast love. Don't overlook this. Don't overlook at the love of God. It, it, it is it is such a glorious and wonderful love that He has for us. It's steadfast. It means it doesn't. It He doesn't. It doesn't break. It it, it is steadfast. It is it is given to us. His love is a true love for us. His steadfast love. We we are too. Put our hope for the Lord, in, for in the Lord, for which the, with the Lord there is steadfast love. And with him, with the Lord, there is plentiful redemption, plentiful redemption. That has to do with this all-sufficient fullness of redemption. It is an all-sufficient fullness of redemption. This is a redemption for all sin, all of evil everything, all the sin and evil that's in us and in the world. It is plentiful redemption. So the question comes, well, how is all this accomplished? Well, God, you know, God does this. But how does God do it? Does he just like wink his eye or snap his fingers to do it? No. no. He's a righteous God. He's a just God. Verse 8. Answers the question as to how God accomplishes this. The psalmist tells us that God Himself, God Himself, He will redeem His people. He, another prophecy, He, God Himself will redeem His people. We know that God Himself do, does this. We know. Looking back, they were looking forward. Remember they we're looking forward. We're looking back. We know that God, Jesus Christ, comes on the scene. He arrives on this planet. He is born of a virgin. He walks this earth and he redeems his people. Isn't that glorious and wonderful? It is, it is this, it is amazing. What, what is prophesied in, in the New Testament. Uh, what is prophesied here is answered in the New Testament in the Gospel of St. Luke, verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 6, verse 68, the, the priest Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, remember the father of John the Baptist, when he is filled with the Holy Spirit, he sings about Christ, saying, singing, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, For he has visited and redeemed his people. The Christ is coming. And he did come. That's why we can say, as you cry out in prayer from the depths of chaos, trust in Jesus, for in him there is forgiveness. Yes, amen, in Christ there is plentiful redemption. For this reason, you must live a life of prayer. You're called to, to live a life of prayer. Is that possible? Can you do that? Have you done that? Well it is it is possible in a sense that you live a, a, a life that is pleasing to the Lord. Philippians says talks about it. It, it says this Philippians 4. Verses six and seven said encourage this life of continuous prayer, relying on God in all situations. It says this do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Have you heard that? Do you believe that? To live a life like that is a process, and that's the process that we're going to, that we're going through, sanctification. So what do you need to hear when you, when you, when you reflect on all this? It, it, we need to hear that we have to have this personal relationship with Christ. Talked about that just a, a few minutes ago before worship. Or I spoke with someone about this before worship. And and we spoke about how how important it is to go to come to church and how important it is to worship. That's important, that's important. But it, it doesn't, it, it it pales. It pales. That's it pales in having this personal relationship with Christ. See, if you have this personal relationship with the Almighty Himself, you're living this life of prayer. And that's going to cause you to come and want to come worship and want to be a part of a church that preaches the gospel, preaches the word, that is God-centered and gospel-driven. To have this personal relationship. Relationship with Christ is what what it's all about because it is personal. You know why it's so personal? Because you're going to be condemned if you don't have that personal relationship with Him. It's you're going to be condemned, or you're going to be saved. And see, God has awakened you, God has transformed you. God has opened your ears and your hearts to listen, to hear that it's all about Jesus. It's all about Him. See, the Bible. This word, the word, this is a sacred book. I mean, it has sacred words in it. Sure, it's the word of God. But see, the Bible doesn't save you, it doesn't save me. Jesus saves us. It is Him who saves us. God saves us. He redeems us. It is all about Christ. It is having a relationship with Christ. We talked about it there. It is like what good? What does it profit you if you gain the entire world? If you cannot make it to to church because you got to do this or that, and you're trying to do this or that. What does all that profit you if you gain the world and you lose your soul? Jesus talks about that. He tells us it doesn't matter. He's the one that matters. It is Him who matters. See that is why you share. Jesus with others. You share his love for them. You cannot talk them into receiving Christ and you're not supposed to. You're just supposed to share Jesus. They're going to want to talk about other things. Well, what about this? And what about that? And what about the terrorists? And what about the wars? And what? About, hey, wait, okay, okay, yeah, that's a, lot, that's a lot of stuff. But let me just share Jesus with you. And let me tell you that he is a moral God. There is right and wrong with what he tells us, and he, and he calls us to be obedient to him. But let me tell you about his love for you and how he saves us, how he can save you, beginning now, beginning at this moment, and for all eternity. It is all about Jesus Christ having this relationship with him. Let pray. You've been listening to Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching his word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.